I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill. And I'm sitting across the table from my longtime friend, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. Guard Dog's here. Let's do some grace. Amen. I just wanted to commend you on the podcast last week about why we pray. And uh, I didn't get a word in edgewise from the podcast. I kind of hogged it, didn't I? It was as if I wasn't there. there. It was as if you weren't there, yeah. That's no, Guard Dog Steve's to be commended. We make the podcast usually the day before, and then we put them out Thursday morning. And Steve went out there in the midst of his hurricane preparation, and what it was gone, wasn't it? The, the hurricane was raging. The, it, it was right there. It was... <laughs> Maybe 95 miles to the west of us. His computer shut down. 50 mile an hour winds. I know, so it erased the podcast. It erased one of the podcasts. Yeah, we had a So you had an hour to make a new podcast? Yes. And put it. (laughs) Yeah. That's why you pray. No, it was really good. And it was amazing that you got that out. I just thought, well, we'll skip a week. So, thank you. Thank God he got it through. He pushed it through, God. In the midst of all the obstacles, God came through. That's our God. The podcast went through. And how about that blog? Yes. You got that on there? I got that on there, too. I managed to to do that. Which, that computer fought me every second of the way. A struggle between the brain of the computer and Steve's brain and uh, shoot it was a David and Goliath the brain of the computer was winning yeah I'll tell you that a couple people asked me about the blog I got a few comments on the uh, podcast too one was just blown away by the the idea of praying because it lets the people around you know that you're dependent on everything in every situation Every situation of your life is one that you need to be dependent on the power of God. Yes. And not the weakness of your flesh or your human effort. And it's a good reminder for all of us, too. So I got a lot out of that. It's a sobering thought to think that through the church, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places 
are learning the manifold wisdom of God that the angels were actually standing on tiptoe longing to see into this thing called grace. We, the church, have the privilege of being the vessel that God uses to teach the universe. It's just such a big picture. It just goes to show it's not about us. It is a bigger picture. It's not about this planet. The planet is in play, put on a show for the everyone to see. All the angels, all the rulers and authorities. Absolutely mind-blowing to me. It is that, that you're teaching angels. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. I think it's in First Peter that even angels long to look into the mystery of dependence on the Spirit, or the mystery of grace. Exactly. Stand on tiptoes. And it was the ministry of law, though, cause and effect was given by angels, but the understanding of the mystery of the gospel was not known to the angels. Pretty cool stuff. They learned from the church. They learned from the church. We're we're their classroom. Yeah. And what are they learning? Dependency. Take a look at the, the scriptures, which are able to make us wise unto salvation. The scriptures give us through types and shadows and pictures the whole gospel. We learned that in the end of Romans 16. Now to him who's able to establish you by my gospel, the proclamation of Jesus Christ, which was made known through the through the scriptures and the prophetic writings, which was written, recorded, but now made known, now given understanding of the types and shadows. And I found one when I was doing the blog, and I was looking at 1 Corinthians 15, when it talks about the order of the resurrection. Did that actually, he says in 15, 22, 23, I think it is, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, the whole chapter is really about the resurrection. Yes, it is. But it says there's an order, right? right? It says Christ is the first fruit, right? And there's two Hebrew words for first fruit, so we don't want to confuse them. But they're found in Exodus 23 and Leviticus 23 and, and a few other places. And then it says that Christ is the first fruit, and that's a singular one, and that happens on Resurrection Sunday. And in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 23, Exodus 23, it says the beginning of the bar- barley hop harvest. <laughs> that's easy for me to say, say right? Yeah. The beginning of the barley harvest was the first of the first fruits, and it's a singular first fruit. And the barley harvest began on the day after the Sabbath of Passover week, which we know was resurrection. So Paul takes that and he says, Christ the first fruit. He's talking about the the barley harvest. And he was the first one to rise from the dead. Remember, the day you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. That was the curse. That was what we needed to be liberated from. So Christ was the first to be raised from the dead on the first day of the barley harvest, which was, turns out to be Easter Sunday, now that we celebrate. 
And I know Easter is a pagan word, so don't need to be reminded of that. I'm just saying it because we all relate to Yes, exactly. And then it says, so Christ is the first fruit, then those who belong to him at his coming. It's the word parousia, parousia, some people pronounce it parousia. What do you call it? Doesn't matter. P A R U S I A. Pronounce it however you want. Yes. And it means the presence of one that's already here. It's not a second coming of Christ. Not the end times. No, it's not the end times. And then, so it says, Christ the first fruit, then those who belong to him at his coming, which is the Pharisees. Yeah. It's the Pentecost, right? Right. We're in his presence always. Didn't Jesus say that? Then, lo, I will be with you always, always yes. in his presence? Yes. Remember he told the disciples that at the upper room discourse? He darn sure did. He said, it's good that I go away, because when I come back, you'll have my presence always. In that day, you'll know that I am in you. And that was the Pentecost. Yes. To go over it again, 1 Corinthians 15, 23. Trying to go over it in my memory. I don't yeah. have a Bible in front of me. But it's Christ, okay. the first fruit, mm-hmm. was the barley harvest. Mm-hmm. Then those who belonged to him at his presence. That was Pentecost. Then it says, and some translations put a period, and it's there is no period there. There's a comma. Mm-hmm. Young's literal has a comma. Comma. It's not a new sentence. And it's important to know. Bible verses were not included by the Holy Spirit. That was yes. That's a man-made thing. Nothing wrong with them. Sometimes but they do get in the way. They, they can break up a thought that yes. needs to be intact. So it says, then comes the end. And I used to think that was the end of the world. It's over. The end of time. Yeah. yeah. But it's not. It's not, it's the word that means, it's teleos, which is the last in a series. It means the completion of the series. So what would the this... The rest. The rest is actually one of the definitions, the rest of whatever series of events is happening. And yeah. the series of events corresponds with what? The three festivals that we have in the Old Testament, Passover, Pentecost, and then the rest of it is the, what is the last, the, the great harvest, or I'm forgetting the, the exact name of the festival. Is it in-gathering? in the in-gathering. I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure, I was really guessing at that one, to be honest. So that's how it can say, in Adam all die. In Christ, all are made alive, but each in his own order. And then it gives the order. Christ, the first fruit, which was Passover, Easter, Sunday. Then those who belong to him at his presence. That's Pentecost. Then comes the end, or better translated, the rest of the resurrection would be in which was the last and greatest of the uh, festivals. Amen. And so that that word, Christ, the beginning of the first fruits, is the exact word that 
that we uh, we found out in Philippians one six. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, the end, <laughs> until the day of Christ, when the resurrection is complete. So this work is ongoing. The work of Jesus living the perfect life under law, keeping the law totally, and then going to the cross and paying for the sins, an innocent person that kept the law, paying for the sins of everyone who did not keep the law, who stumbled at any point of the law, was paid for by a person that could pay because he never broke the law at any point. That's when he said it is finished, it means it is finished, paid in full. And then, of course, he started on Pentecost, he started a complete new work, giving life to dead people. And how many were dead? All of us uh, were dead in our sins and transgressions. And he gave us a The borrow from Bob George. Yeah. Yeah, he was a good guy. But when I was looking at the Philippians 1 6, that I am confident of this, not, uh, you know, I'm really wishful thinking of this. He says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will continue that good work and bring it to completion until the day of Christ. And then he, he goes on to talk about if there's any encouragement, if there's any hope, you know, that yes. one is make my joy complete. And then he says, if there's any fellowship in the spirit. Yeah, just this hope after hope after hope after hope. And then to bring up the idea of Jesus emptied himself made himself nothing, give, gave up all his divinity and became like us, yes. emptied himself, and became obedient. Yes. A better way to say obedient is what? Dependent. He became yes. dependent on his father, and he reflected that all through his ministry. Didn't yes. he just say, I only do what I see the father doing? He did. Isn't that another way of saying I'm totally dependent? What well, my father exactly would it. it wasn't that the point of your podcast. He said, I can only do what I see the father. Exactly. And wasn't that the point of your podcast last Yes. Week? Is I can only do what I see the father do. Yes. That's why you pray. That's what he came down to earth to teach us. And so we see that sentence in Philippians 1 6 He who began a good work. And you will be faithful to complete it. And we have those two Greek words in Urkamai and epitelio. That's that telio word is the, the end. Yeah. yeah. Right. The completion. Those two words, I didn't know this. I found out they're in a verse that you hear quoted on Guardians of Grace. Oh yeah. Are you so foolish after beginning in Urkamai? Urkamai. And it, with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal, epitelio, through human effort? Right. So the work of the Spirit is going to work. Yeah. It's, it's what work. you begin with, and it's what you finish with. Yes. Yes. And I found a 
Let, let, me, let me just make that clear. In Philippians 1.6, he said, I am confident that he who began a good work, work of the Spirit, will carry it on to the day of completion. He's confident of that, but in Galatians 3.3, 3, you're foolish to after beginning in the Spirit to try and do it yourself. Does so everyone you have confidence in Jesus to do it through you? The same confidence that's in the resurrection. Yes. Christ, the first fruits, then the end, yes. the finish, the mm-hmm. completion. Mm-hmm. So just to say it again, because it's important to get this, mm-hmm. that he who began a good work is the same word that Paul uses in Galatians. Yes. Philippians 1.6 says that I'm confident that he who began a good work is in Urkamai. Yes. In Galatians 3.3, 3, are you so foolish after beginning in Urkamai? Same word. Are you now trying to epitelio? Complete. By human effort. By human effort. Right. In Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work will epitelio, complete it. Right. And Paul says, are you trying to epitelio through human effort? If you began in the spirit, then you need to epitelio. In the spirit. In the spirit. Yeah. And we're just looking at Bible verses. Those are Bible verses that are telling us that. We're looking at the Greek word to support that the English version is right. And the English version is right. And the English version is saying, I'm confident that Jesus who began a good work in you will carry it out. And you're a fool to think that after beginning with Jesus, you can carry it out in your own human effort. Those are just Bible verses that are telling us that. And so listen to this. When you're reading about the festivals, and it's in, Le- I think it's Leviticus 23. It might be Exodus 23, but I think it's Leviticus. It talks about the first fruit of the barley harvest. And then it says this out of place, weird sentence. It says, and don't boil the kid in its mother's milk. So it's talking about first fruits, meaning mm-hmm. the spiritual life, right? Yep, spiritual life, exactly right. Then it says, and just adds this, and don't boil the kid in its mother's milk. Strangest comment in the world do you understand the revelation behind it. And then when we say, Peter says, as newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that you can grow up in your salvation. And then he says at the very last verse in Second Corinthians, he says, grow in grace. So how do you grow with pure spiritual milk? What kind of milk? He says, grow in grace. Yes. You begin with pure spiritual grace milk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you grow in that. Mm-hmm. And you don't throw any law in Because it. that is death. Yes. Don't take the word of God and use it as a ministry of death. To boil a kid in its mother's milk. And who was our mother? Isn't it Jerusalem above? Doesn't it say Sarah was a picture of that? And what Hagar was a picture of the law. 
which is the the milk that boils the kid, kills the kid, death. Yes. Paul says the same thing in what Second Corinthians three. He says the letter what kills kills, but the spirit gives, gives life. The spirit is the milk of grace that gives life. And we want like newborn babies to grow up in it. Yes, get established to grow in, in grace. To grow in grace. Didn't Paul say that? Now, to him who's able to establish you by my gospel. What is the gospel? There, there's no law in the gospel. There's only two words used to describe the gospel. They're the gospel of grace and the gospel of peace. There is no other gospel. No, there really isn't. I mean, I mean really, really isn't. It's a true statement. There is no gospel of elementary principles. There's no. no gospel of legalism. There's no gospel of you do your part God so God can us, do but he is just. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But we see two important, important aspects of the gospel. One, it's totally reliable. He who began the good work in us will be what? Faithful, Faithful to complete it. Yes. That sounds like reliability. Yes. That sounds like I can I can put my own growth completely in his hands. He's mm-hmm. able to complete it. That means I can put the whole purposes of God in general with the lost world. This will sound controversy, but I have confidence to say that the one that began a good work is faithful along with my help in passing out tracts. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's bad to pass out tracts, but I'm saying my confidence is not in anything I could do. My confidence is that the one who was faithful just began the good work Remember, he, the good work he's talking about is bringing life to the world. Right. He says, the one, I'm confident of this, that the one that began this, and he began it by living the perfect life, emptying himself of all his divinity, divinity, so he could depend totally on his father, and he did, and he completed it, and he got an A-plus for judgment of it. And he died on the cross, and all our sins were paid for. In full. Now is the judgment of this world, it says in John 12. Yes, it does. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all. doesn't have a word after all, but it says, I will draw all to my sight. means all men, all judgment. It means... It's definitely all judgment because he says now is the judgment of the world. If context means anything, I would say there's a judgment. Yeah. And we know from many other scriptures, like 2 Corinthians 5, 14, for the love of Christ compels me because I'm convinced that if one died for all people, then all people died. Or if one died for the world, then all died. Yes. Yes. Or John 1, is it 127? 
Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The word for takes away, I'm forgetting the, the actual pronouncement of the arrow of something, but it can actually mean to lift up or bear the burden. So behold, the Lamb of God that lifts away the sin of the world or bears the burden of the sin of the world. So we know it's the world would be all people and the sin of the world would be all sin. And it's actually the sin singular. So we know what it's talking about. It's talking about the sin of Adam. The only other place in the Old Testament where it's a singular noun. The sin. The sin. Paul makes that clear in Romans 5.12 that the sin entered the world through one man and the death through the sin. Mm-hmm. And isn't the death what we're talking about? Yes. Because what's a dead man need more than anything? Life. Life. I thought you were going to say an accountability partner. <laughs> no, a dead person doesn't need an accountability partner above anything else. He needs to be made alive. And that's what he said. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you, the first fruits, the church is the first fruits in many places, will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. I've come to bring you life and life more abundant. That was his mission statement. So it's all about his life. That's what first fruits were. Pentecost was the first fruits of wheat, which is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. So what's a dead person need? He needs life. life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But somehow we think, okay, we're made alive by the Spirit, but somehow we use the law to, to sanctify to ourselves. Sanctify us. So how, how if being alive is the work he began, and then how does he bring it to completion by going back to the ministry of death? No. That doesn't make sense. No. That's Galatianism. It is. It is. That's Starting with the spirit and ending mm-hmm. in the flesh. Yes. And that's foolish. <laughs> that's foolish. If you say, oh, but the law is there to sanctify us, then you're... Someone said that, actually. Yes. Those exact words. Yes. It doesn't play a role in saving us, but it does play a role in sanctifying us. It can no more sanctify you than it can save you, deliver you. Yes. What's that? I'm thinking of the passage like Romans 5, 11, 12, somewhere in there. Oh, right before Mm -hmm. 5, 12. The sin entered the world. Yes. Where it talks about yeah. the reconciliation. Yeah. After being justified by his death, how much more will we be saved or sanctified by his life? Yeah, that's it's his life that sanctifies us. It is not it's not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to point out how unsanctified we are. So that we will rely on the Spirit of God to sanctify us. The very name of Jesus is what? Yahshua, which means to save us. Yes. In, in Matthew it says, you shall call his name 
Yahshua in the Hebrew, for he shall deliver his people from their sin or save them from their sin. And it says it in Luke, his name is Yahshua, and he shall reign from the throne of David. So you, you have a life, a kingly life that reigns, and it reigns to put away the sin guy that was, remember, sin reigns in your mortal body? Yes. But he he's the king that reigns over the sin guy. If by the spirit you put the death, the deeds in the body, it's got to be the spirit who gets in the ring with the sin guy and yeah. reigns over him. So it's by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, not by the ministry of death that you put the deeds. Right, not by flesh. the ministry of condemnation do you put to death the deeds. You don't sanctify yourself through the law of the ministry of condemnation. You sanctify yourself through the manifestations of Christ. Doesn't it, it, it say that Christ was manifest in our mortal body in Second uh, Corinthians? 4, 6? 4, 6, somewhere in there. God who said, let light shine out of darkness, cause yes. his light to shine in our darkened hearts, hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. The glory of God. But the glory knowledge of, of the glory is the, We have this treasure in jars of clay that are dead bodies that the all-surpassing excellency, the one that shines is clearly to be seen of God and not of us. We see his life shine. We see his life shine and we are sanctified. Clearly not of us. How much more obvious does it get? I mean, even in John 1, he says, and his life was the light of men. It's so clear. The law cannot sanctify you any more than it can justify you. Yes, he stop so boiling the kid in the mother's milk. milk. Right. Let the milk be light. Let the light. Let the milk be the grace of God, so that you can grow up in, in your salvation. salvation. What's another word for salvation? Being delivered from the things you hate about yourself. 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 I was thinking. There's a passage. You know it. You quote it a lot in. Timothy, that that kind of gives the idea of two types of death. I know where you're going. Let me, let me just think about it for a second. I, I think you're, you're talking about the the widow woman who it says if she lives for prayer and everything, it's okay. But if she lives for wanton pleasure, she is dead even while she lives, which is an amazing statement because how can you be dead even while you live? And it's referring to actually the Romans 7, the the mind of the flesh is death. I'm talking about Romans 8. Mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the spirit is what? Life and peace. So when the life flows through you. That's what we were saying. They're all dead. They need life. We are dead and we walk 
in the deadness of the mind of the flesh is dead. She's dead even while she lives. First John, if he tells you is walking in life, but he hates his brother, he is walking in death. There's this idea of death, meaning the human nature is equated with death and the spirit is equated with life. And it's another picture of the flesh and the spirit that you have to understand. These gospels and these epistles are just saturated with the idea of your flesh and your spirit. It teaches you how to learn to fellowship between flesh and spirit. It teaches you how to learn the fruits of the flesh or the deeds the deeds of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit on and on it goes with this idea of teaching you about the flesh and the spirit and how important it is to the new covenant it's very important to the new covenant lingo you really need to know what they're talking about when they're giving these different synonymous pictures of the flesh or the spirit, the good tree, the bad tree, the good fish, the bad fish. On and on it goes with pictures of the flesh and the spirit. It's not Johnny's good and Bill's not good or Bill's good and Joe's not good. It's, it's not that because like it says in Romans 3, there is none who does good, no, not one. Humanly speaking, nobody got a good grade, a grade of being good. We all fell short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus said to the rich young guy who came to him, why do you call me good? Nobody is good but God. And God is in us. He's what's known as the spirit. Us in our human nature, which Paul said, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my human nature. For the wishing to do good is in me, but the doing of good is not. And just look at the verses in Romans 7. You guys check out Romans 7. He says, nothing good dwells in me, in my human effort. So human effort, the flesh, the divine nature, the spirit, depicted in so many different ways. But it is really fair to say that the Gospels and the epistles are replete with ideas of the flesh and the spirit. And when Bill and I say replete, we actually mean it. Most of the times when you hear the Bible is replete, they're saying the Bible is replete with man's got a free will when there's just not a mention of it in the entire Bible. <laughs> Everything that usually gets called replete isn't there. It's missing. <laughs> it's code for, I don't have a verse. I don't have a verse, yes. But when Bill and I say something's replete, 
we actually mean we can find it all over the place. A lot more than once. Yes. And when we say the Bible is replete with the idea and many different temporal teachings about flesh and about spirit and fellowship, I mean, what about the passage right there in Philippians? If there's any fellowship in the spirit. Do you see what he's saying? Fellowship in the spirit, meaning your spirit is fellowshipping with my spirit. It's spirit to spirit fellowship. You're fellowshipping in the spirit. That phrase has meaning. And it means that you can learn how to know when you're fellowshipping with somebody who's in the flesh and you should run. Or if they're fellowshipping in the spirit, what does First John 1, 6 say? John 1, 6 says when you're fellowshipping in the spirit, it makes your joy complete. It's what the whole letter of 1 John is about, knowing whether somebody is in the flesh or in the spirit. And when they're in the spirit, they're good to fellowship with. And when they're in their flesh, run for the hills. Complete joy. Make your joy complete. Yes. In First and Second Corinthians, they talk about the flesh saying, you don't even have to eat with the so-called brother who's in the flesh. You're not obligated to fellowship with people in the flesh. It, it's a teaching that the epistles teach you. It, it's a teaching about flesh and spirit. It's right there in the Bible. Once you see it, once you're turned on to it, you will see it. A fleshly concept doesn't just mean going to bars. Fleshly concept is accountability partners. Trying real hard. Trying real hard. Unshakable, unbreakable. Discipline. Elementary principle. Discipline, yeah. Yeah. Diligent. Diligent. Making vows. Yeah. Making dedication. Making a covenant or making a vow is a serious thing you may want to really think about before you, you do it. Yeah, there was some consequences. I can't even think of this because I have daughters, but there was a guy in the old. He said, "I will give up the first thing that comes to my door." He made a vow with God, and his daughter walked up to the door. It was his daughter, and he made a covenant with God, and he had to keep it. Do you guys realize there's a story in the Bible? about a person who made an oath with God and had to keep that oath. And he said, I'll sacrifice the very first thing that comes through my door. And it was his daughter. And he did do what he said. He honored his commitment. It's a horrendous story. Yeah. But it tells you about making commitments. They're serious matters. They're a serious matter. James said, don't do it. Yes. Just let your yes be yes and your no, no. And he says, don't say we will do this. We will make this commitment. And we, he's, what does he say? He says, all such boasting is arrogant. He who knows what to do and doesn't do it sins. You should say, if the Lord 
wills, we will live and do this or that. If you don't say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that, you're sinning. If you say, no, it's my will and I will do it. I will dedicate to do this or that. You're sinning. James 4, 15 and following. Just read it. It's obvious as it can be. So what are we to do? We're to wait on the Spirit. Depend on the Spirit. Rely on Him. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, we'll commit to next week. (laughs) <laughs> just kidding, got just me. kidding. <laughs> I got you then you, you thought I was really well, what's he saying <laughs> no but if the Lord wills we will be back next week and for now we'll close in prayer and I'll, I'll close as Father God allow us to understand what your Bible says allow us to understand how much your Bible talks about flesh and spirit and why it talks about flesh and spirit. It talks about flesh not being able to cut the muster and the spirit being able to shine and shine and shine. The spirit being able to fellowship and make your joy complete. The spirit being able to live the righteous Christian life. All the requirements of the law will be fully met by us who do not walk according to human effort but walk according to the Spirit's power, Romans 8, 4. Lord, let that sink in. Give everybody a spirit of wisdom and revelation so their ears hear and their minds understand and they absorb and take root. Just in that one verse, the righteous requirements of the law will be fully met in us who do not walk according to human effort but walk according to the Spirit's power. Let us just take root in that one verse. Let it ring in our ears over and over and over again this week. In your Son's name I ask these things. Amen. Amen. Good night, you guys. Good night, you guys. We love you.